Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. It's the 1950s. Sputnik is in the air, and people are ducking on their desks, hoping to save themselves from an H-bomb. When out of nowhere... An iron giant flies through the sky, lands on an ocean, crashing a boat, and befriends a boy. Yes, this week, we are talking the Iron Giant on Zack on Film. Wait, the Iron Giant had an actual Iron Giant in it? Yep. No. That's how it went. I might have watched something Iron Giant this uh, this week. Um, Brad Bird movie uh, is the director on this. Uh, For those of you who don't know... Yeah, for those of you who don't know who Brad Bird is, he went on to do uh, The Incredibles, a very popular Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And he, before he was on The Simpsons, wasn't he? Yeah, he was doing The Simpsons before uh, before Iron Giant. Um, this and is before, interesting. And because, before that, he was a highly paid basketball player. No, that would be Larry right. Bird. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, Brad Bird Changed played. He, he, just, he played in the ABA. Yeah. No worry. Written, though, by uh, Tim, Mc, uh, what is it, uh, McC- McCandless? McCandless? Had a, you know, for the time, and this is interesting that, you know, of all the animated movies and all the animated worlds of all the animated spaces. You had to walk walk into the Iron Giant, right? Um, (laughs) Because you'd think that, you know, we get into animation, we start talking about animation, we would have hit like a Disney film before this. Right, right. Or or like The Secret of Nim. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) All right. Um, but you know what was interesting <laughs> is that um, they were able to attract some pretty big names for a movie that was not coming out of Disney. Yeah, um, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. You had Harry Connick Jr. Um, Vin Diesel. I think was this his first role? No, he was fairly unknown at this I don't time. Know. I don't remember if Triple X had come out. I remember him. Triple X might have been. Very close to this. He was in Saving Private Ryan, which was before this. Yeah, that was 98. That was the year before. So, yeah, he he had been in movies. But I think the stuff that everybody knows him for came out after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you're right. It is uh, the 1950s. And Sputnik is in the air. Why is that a big deal, Zach? Because everyone's freaking out about space. And, well, uh, I don't think they're freaking out about stuff. space, but they are freaking not out freaking about, about war. Space? Oh, okay. No, they're not freaking out about space. I mean, here's the thing. You are at the end of World War II. You were friends with the Russians, right? And yeah. suddenly they are your worst enemy. They mm. are going to kill you in the sleep. If they get a chance to take over the world with their ungodly ways, which, by the way, in God, we uh, one nation under God was only added during the yeah. 1950s mm-hmm. as a reaction to those Try ungodly commies. Out. Oh, really? Yeah. No, really, yeah. seriously. Huh. Uh, we that were so funny. afraid of the communists, and this really kind of is maybe your introduction to the Red Scare genre of movies, um, because you don't know who that communist is. You don't know who is subverting your children, your family, your school, your mm. town. You don't know who's secretly spying, waiting to drop a nuclear bomb. And, of course, the big thing at the time was, well, ballistic missiles can't go that far, unless you go over the North Pole. Right, right. right. And even then, if you were going to drop and uh, send a nuke flying to America, you're only going to hit some some strategic places, hopefully. But it could wipe out a bunch of stuff. I mean, you had so much misinformation about a, what a nuclear war would do. And maybe it was just to placate people to keep them from, like, <laughs> rioting in the streets. <laughs> but, you know, you have these famous films like Duck and Cover, which is referenced in the movie, where basically if you see a bright flash duck under your your uh your school table and cover your head because that will protect you from the right. nuclear blast. Um but people are deathly afraid of of what's going on with these with these Russians and what they're going to do to destroy the world and of course it's not until in the 1960s when we uh bring ourselves to the brink of annihilation. Um 
But the fact that the Soviets put a satellite up in space before us mm-hmm. bothered a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Because here we are supposed to be superior. We just won the war for the world, right? Uh, and here are these Russians, our enemies, who are going out into space, and who knows what's in that satellite? Could they be pouring radiation down upon America? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of fear and concern and hatred towards anything different and foreign. And so what we find in this little community of Maine are a lot of things that are very different and foreign. Mm-hmm. Here we have Hogarth Hughes. Hogarth? Who would name Hogarth? Hogarth. 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 Who, we don't know what happened to his dad. Maybe he died in the war. Uh, maybe he died in Korean War. We don't know. He does have, there's an army helmet involved at some He's point. He's like a pilot. He's like, yeah. A- so we don't know what his deal is, but here you have a single mother raising a son, which is what you typically don't expect to hear in a 19, quote unquote, 1950 story. Mm-hmm. You have the, uh, the, the hipster, uh, um, beatnik, beatnik artist. Beatnik, yeah. Uh, yeah. Beatniks were the precursor to hipsters. Yeah. Um, who's doing weird art that nobody understands. And then on top of that, something truly foreign falls out of the sky and gets involved in all these people's lives. Right. So that kind of sets up kind of the trifecta of th- these oddities coming together and people freaking out, especially the military freaking out over this uh, in the long run. Yeah. So the Iron Giant um, has all these uh, Cold War themes, but it has a real um, kind of 2000 aesthetic. To oh, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is paced quickly. It mm-hmm. is like um, has a lot of like little bits of comedy and, and, and stuff like that and has and really despite not being a Disney movie, has a very much, like, it strays very little from the animated feel-good family formula. Absolutely. To to a point, you know, um, if you look at it, there's not a musical number at all in this piece. There's a musical montage. Right. But Really not the same thing, though. Yeah, there's not a musical number that breaks out in the middle of this where, you know, Vin Diesel is singing how he wishes he was... (laughs) He was home. Me wish we was Superman. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big, uh, it, it ends with him doing high kicks yep. uh, and knocking cars into the city. Um, you don't no you don't have any of that. No. You have none of that in there. You have, um, although you do see a lot in Disney films, the um, orphaned parent or the orphan child or the single parent yeah. is a theme that runs throughout. Yep. Um, Roger Ebert made a really good comparison about this film being better than E.T. Even though they both play out in the same way. Right. Boy finds an alien. Boy befriends the alien. Government comes in and tries to take the alien away. But in this case, the Iron Giant plays out so much better than what happened in E.T. And it's mostly due to the time period that it's set in. Right. And I think partially because the giant's much more of a character than E.T. is. Right. E.T. is almost, you know, by himself just a plot point. Have you seen E.T.? Oh, absolutely. Uh, movie, I loved it, and it also terrified me when I was little. But yeah, I terrified I have, my sister, too. I she have, cried in what her pants It's, it's that stinking uh, white tunnel scene when he, like, runs through oh, the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That scared me every time, but I haven't watched it for a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time, too. Um, is it on the list? I don't know. I don't think so. I like the VHS because it was green. I always remember that. Oh, like the actual Yeah, yeah, the cassette was, was actually green. Cool. That doesn't really matter. Oh, we, okay. We can yes. keep talking about Iron Giant, I guess. Um, Plastic can be different colors. So there's this thing, there's this theme of alienation is that you're different, you're set apart, mm-hmm. and you're trying to find an identity, right? I mean, Hogarth tries to goof around with these kids in his class, and they just want nothing to do with this scrawny little punk. Right, mm-hmm. because he's a nerd or a dork or whatever. I mean, he watches sci-fi movies late at night. And he skipped a grade. And he skipped a grade. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, the beatnik who the community really wants nothing to do with him, and he's trying to find his his voice through his art, and he's just trying and failing all the time. And then you got this giant who a robot who has amnesia, and who's trying to figure out what he is. And through the course of the story all of these people find their place and where they belong. And, you know, you do get this, as you were talking about a Disney type message or moral, 
uh, you do get this thing is you can be whatever you want to be, right? You don't have to be what t- people tell you you are. You don't have to be the beatnik loser. You don't have to be the nerdy dweeb. You don't have to be a weapon. Right. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to choose your own path. And, you know, there's some subversiveness in here, you know, counterculture, you know, uh, <laughs> a riot against the man kind of stuff that's going in here. Uh, very much. I mean, the government is the bad guy in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, and, and you yeah. they, they, like you. they very much make it a point to be like, there are sane elements within the government. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the boss of basically the main antagonist. Right is really just doing his job and the moment that he sees this guy go bonkers like tries to stop him Mm -hmm. but but it's the government that's causing all these problems right right well and it doesn't hurt that the main uh, villain is voiced by shooter mcgavin from uh uh, (laughs) that one movie with uh, the adam sandler but interestingly for me this is something that when i was a kid I was a voracious reader and I actually read the book from which part of this part of this came. It's a book called the iron man that was mm-hmm. actually written in the sixties during the cold war, not necessarily the height of it, but during the cold war. So when I first saw this movie, I didn't necessarily remember having read that book, but then I remembered having read that book. If that makes any sense. And I got to the point where I'm like, oh, I remember where this is going. This is going someplace that I don't like. But the movie goes, oh, no, no, we're going to do something different and awesome, which I really appreciate. And that's, again, when you look at uh, translation, a lot of that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are some There are some really cool moments. There's actually a Disney moment in this film uh, when the uh, Iron Giant uh, wrecks the train. Uh, you know, he's listening, he hears something, he puts his head down on the tracks and the train crashes into it. The two conductors um, who voice the the conductors of that are two of Disney's original nine old men, the original animators, who are still alive. Oh, well, they're not alive now. I think one of them passed away. Um, yeah. Uh, and so that was really kind of – and they were drawn to look just like they did mm-hmm. at that age. Nice. And it was a really cool nod for animation fans to say – Hey, here's a traditionally drawn animation that's done by the voice that has the voices of two of the guys who were original nine old men. Uh, and that's kind of a, a really cool, neat uh, nod. But I, I, I'm really am interested, Zach, in this, in your view of the message of the story here. And there's a, a little bit of, I mean, get, I guess you could say there's a little bit of subtle racism in there. Uh, there was this PSA from when Matthew and I were kids. Um, oh. about, uh, this, um, boy and his grandpa are out on the lake and he's like, grandpa, uh, my Jewish friend, Jimmy says I'm a racist or says I'm a bigot or something like that. And he goes, well, why would Jimmy say that you're a bigot? And he goes, I don't know. And he goes, maybe it's because you pointed out that your friend Jimmy is Jewish and that makes, you know, you're calling somebody out on this. So there's a little bit of that going on because at one point the giant is bored and Hogarth brings in a bunch of comic books mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, this is Amazo. He's a terrible alien robot right. that's been on destroying everything. You don't want to read that. Here's Superman, you know, and in a sense, doesn't really realize that he's talking to this robot that is right. exactly a, 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 what. A deadly exactly. space robot. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. So there's this little bit of subtle, you don't know what you're really saying right. at the mm-hmm. point. Right. I mean, it works out in his favor, um, but, in, but in this case... Um, the Iron Giant finds out about Superman and how Superman is this hero and is willing to do anything for anyone. But, I mean, the, his his story also, like, he wants to be Superman because Superman kind of has the same origin as him. Mm-hmm. Right. He crashes to this planet. He doesn't know stuff. Well, Superman does know stuff. But the, the Giant doesn't know that because the Giant doesn't know stuff. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> and then he can also shoot lasers from his eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and so the Giant figures out, you know, he's automatically triggered to... Um, to start maybe killing anybody with a weapon. Right. But he chooses at the end of the movie, hey, I don't want to be a weapon. I want to be Superman. I want to be a hero. And he does that by destroying a nuclear missile that stupid uh, FBI agent uh, launched up into space. Kent. Kent. Kent Shooter McGavin is his name. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering what your, what your thoughts are on this message uh, in the story. Not the racism. The, no, 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 no. I mean, be, there's some of that. Be, that would be whatever, yeah, be whatever you, you want to be. be. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's a good one 
for kids. And it comes out well here. And, and, and typically in animation movies, you're generally, there's always that subverted uh, lesson, life lesson to learn to teach the, the kiddies, whatever. Right. And I like, I like this one. It's not completely like hidden. It's, it's pretty much there from really from the beginning to the end uh, in Hogarth and then the giant. And I liked it because I like that. I like that lesson. And so I think that's that's part of it that I like the you don't have to be whatever anyone tells you you are be or whatever mm-hmm. you're actually uh, made to be in the in the giant's case or told to be in the boy's case really. I guess what I'm wondering is you know as you said uh, too many TV shows especially cartoon shows of the 80s and early 90s were just bent on you know you have this big adventure and then the last five minutes you have to come back from commercial and do this. PSA essentially of what you learned <laughs> this week. Is half the well, and He Man and Orco did the same thing, um, and I, that always bothers me. I guess when they're hitting you over the head with that message mm-hmm. of, "Boy, if you didn't get this in the message, we're repeating it to you right now." Yeah. But in the Iron Giant, it didn't bother me, right? right. No. Well, and, and I mean, it's part of the story, right? But I mean, it's I mean, it, it's still beating you over the head with yes. the message of yes. you can be whatever you want to be. But I'm watching it. I'm like, you know what? This is a really good film. This is really pulling at those emo- emotional heartstrings. Mm-hmm. This is really something that the message is crafted in a way and delivered in such a way that it doesn't feel forced. Mm-hmm. I don't they, like what I like about they it is keep it, that subtext subtextual enough that if you well you will get it. Yeah, you absolutely will get it. But I think you'll get it at your own pace, and it won't necessarily be something that. You have to take away from this. There are people who go to this movie and don't necessarily get that until they're like, "Oh yeah, that's exactly what's going on." Mm-hmm. Well, and and to to a large degree, the the Iron Giant is like a really funny limerick. Mm-hmm. Like you know how the, the you know wh- what a limerick sounds like, right. right? And you're probably not expecting it to be funny because you've heard a thousand limericks, but it turns out to actually be a really funny limerick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. it's it's like that. It's like it's this very. It's this thing that follows the formula very closely, but it's actually crafted so well and actually mm-hmm. takes a few little, like, fun departures from the formula. It doesn't stray out too far, right. but, you know, just, cl- I mean, you just, still just get, enough. Uh, you still get ba- Bambi's mom being shot and killed uh, in this movie. You do? Oh, yeah. The hunter shoot the deer, and he goes over and touches it and finds out that it's dead. Oh, and yeah. And then Hogarth's like, don't touch it. It's dead. Don't. Oh, why are you doing that? And the giant's freaking out because he's never experienced death before. Right, right. And so he gets to see firsthand that, oh, my gosh, this gun kills people. And now that's when his programming starts to kick in that, hey, this is not good. Right. And so that makes the moment when the giant flips into to uh, invasion mode Mm -hmm. that much more powerful because he sees Hogarth lying there. He can't touch him because Hogarth told him you don't touch dead things. And, um, you know, that's what triggers that moment. So, yeah, you get the Bambi's mom getting killed moment in this movie that ultimately triggers um, that triggers Bambi. A, a, a huge emotional reaction in the giant. I mean, yeah. that's whole that's his rage coming out over what he believes is the loss of his friend. And he's right. taking it out on anybody with a gun, including the military that shows up. Thanks to right. special agent douchebag gun. So but. If you're going to craft a story with a message, yeah, Zach, um, this is probably a good good example of doing it in probably the right way. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen um, movies in my short life on Earth that seem to be the only reason this movie was made was to say or to get this message across to whoever may view it. And it feels like essentially like a giant propaganda movie to me in a way. It's like, Oh, we really just wanted to get this one point across. So we made this whole entire movie. Well, but I, but at the, by the end though, but everybody I, but I finds I, their place, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think this feels like that though. But everybody finds their place. I mean, Hogarth suddenly has friends that he's playing with. Mm-hmm. Dean, uh, discovers his artistic talent and, and crafts a statue for the town. 
And then, of course, the robot isn't dead, mm -hmm. uh, which is probably the biggest joy of it. Yeah, right. that's awesome. Um, I am so glad that they have never made a sequel of this movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because the way that, mm -hmm. that the way the Iron Giant ends with all the parts going up north to Scandinavia or wherever mm -hmm. and being reassembled, I was just, holy crap, they're going to make a sequel of this. Mm -hmm. Now, fortunately, this movie did not do well in the box office, <laughs> which is both a shame and a mm -hmm. blessing because if it had Absolutely. done $100 million, $200 million, we would be looking at Iron Giant 72 right now. Yeah. Right. Um, but thank God this was just a piece that they could say is kind of standalone. And I think that, you know, there's this – when we – there's this desire to want to recreate that magic again, and that's mm -hmm. why I think mm -hmm. we get a lot of these sequels. I, I'm almost really glad that by they... magic you mean money, though. Well, yeah, and you know, I, I I'm really glad that Brad Bird has been super hesitant on trying to create a sequel to The Invincible or yeah. The Incredibles. I, I really am because as much as people love that movie, mm -hmm. anything else they make after that, yeah, is I don't think is going to be as good. An audience is going to have such high expectations no, that it's think, doomed to fail. I think. Um, for example, something like Toy Story is mm -hmm. is is an amazing accomplishment that you know I've I I would I would say that I like I probably still like Toy the first Toy Story more than Toy Story two, but there's a lot of people who don't. Right, mm -hmm. a lot of people think that Toy Story two is a superior movie. Toy Story and a lot two of people is the think one where they where you meet like a Jesse and Zorg. his horse and oh yeah yeah right. yeah. Yeah. yeah where that they're one, kidnapping yeah, yeah. him away to Japan. Right, right. Yeah, my son, my oldest son likes the second one better. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of kids do. And then the third one was also good. Was I mean, it was it was, it was a crap, really was good. good movie. Yeah. But that's that is like that is the the incredible capturing lightning in a bottle three like three times <laughs> well, in a row. It's a lightning hat trick. Yeah, but and I think it can't that, possibly happen with other franchises. And I think that is due in part to the combination of the writers and Pixar and John Lasseter, mm -hmm. who basically say, we're not going to craft together schlock, although they did go ahead and allow Disney to make the uh, Buzz Lightyear and the Rangers television oh, show. Oh, sure, sure. Which um, wasn't terrible. Come on. No, which, I mean, it wasn't Which terrible, I, think, but... I think actually really works in-universe. Mm -hmm. That it's yes. like this like so-so cartoon that mm -hmm. kids That's are really into. That's the cartoon into. that yeah. Andy watched right. that went with his toy. Right. Um. But, you know, they, they craft this stuff, and it's just not a, well, what money are we going to crank out this week? How right. many millions are we going to well, crank and, out and, this and week? And actually, all all three of those movies are different movies. Mm -hmm. It's not oh, the yeah. same thing over and over and over again, which a lot of sequels end up doing. Well, and that's... I mean, even, even something like, um, you know, uh, The Dark Knight. Like the Batman the, the, Yeah, the Nolan yeah. Uh, trilogies is like... Those those also I think part of their success is that they go in different directions, but only slightly different oh, yeah, directions. Yeah, yeah. There's not that much difference between Bane and the Joker, right? Um, and those were still highly successful. I would say that between each of the Toy Story movies, there are like drastic plot differences oh. that make them yes. very very different. Did, did movies. I tell you about and the, the first same time? characters play different roles within yep. their right, story? Yep. Right, and they they and they've changed. Mm -hmm. The between the movies, like the the things that they learn, stay with them, which doesn't seem to happen in a lot of sequels. Mm -hmm. Did I did I tell you about the the first time that we went to go see Toy Story three? It was the one of the first times yeah, that did. we took. You told me the boy but... to go see the movie, and he was like two or three, and we thought maybe he'd be able to sit through it, but he didn't. So long. It is a long, a movie. long movie. That's that's the other problem uh, with a lot of movies aimed for kids. And you got and I'll ask you a question in a moment. Is the Iron Giant of kids? But we get right to the part where they're getting ready to slide into the slag pit, mm -hmm. and they're all holding oh, on to each other's right, hands, right. and you're and, and, you, and everybody's crying, and you know that this is the end. This is how this movie is going to end. And right then, the boy's like, "I want to go. Let's just go. Can we just go?" And we left. Oh. And so for like six months, I didn't know how oh. that movie ended. I was just like, "Well, they all died, and they all accepted their fate. I'm I'm okay with yeah, that." What and a terrible they're all, ending. They're all, know, they're all friends, and they're going to be together in toy heaven. Yeah, I mean, oh, that was kind of the thing, and, and it's kind of the same thing with the <laughs> Iron Giant, right? He's accepting his fate. He knows when he goes up there right. that he's going to die. Well, mm -hmm. and, and, and he he accomplishes his mission on his own terms, right? right. He's like right. This, this machine that destroys weapons and is, mm -hmm. is triggered by war, and he decides to go destroy a weapon, but not because he's programmed to do it, but because um, because his friend needs him to, and right, because he right. doesn't want all of his friends, family, and friends to die. Right. He he learned that selflessness, that Superman analog of right. "I'm going to save people instead of menacing them," which 
You know, he's the menacing robot who becomes a superhero, which is pretty awesome. Now, interestingly, the little boy, the wooden boy becomes a real boy. So, yeah. Interestingly, this movie, uh, because we were talking about Toy Story, Mm -hmm. as far as um, animated stuff, this movie comes at like what what people really were seeing as like the decline of the animated movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Um, you know, Toy Story did super well. Yeah, Yeah, Toy Story did super well. I think. Prince of Egypt had come out recently, yeah, and people were like on the fence about it. But like you yeah. had gone through like uh, Hunchback of Notre Camelot. Dame, yeah, Quest for Camelot. I don't know if Road to El Dorado. Had, I think that's later. I think maybe like Treasure Planet had come out in that time. Frame. I think maybe. Treasure Planet was later. Yeah, would have been later. But um, but yeah, I mean, this is like that that sinkhole yeah, of yeah. of animation yeah. that Rodel people were experiencing, and and simultaneously. This like huge like kind of exaltation of uh, CGI, right? Well, in, uh, Disney came out shortly after blah, 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 Toy Story, maybe Bugs Life came out, and they're just basically like, "Look, we're not going to do any two D animation stuff ever again. It's all three D." Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, then Iron Giant comes out and has wonderful two D animation, but a, a lot of it's three D. I mean, right, right, right. It's it's rendered and shaded in a way to give it that cartoony look. The robot is totally three D. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the planes and battleships and effects are all done three G CGI stuff. Yeah. Um so that you know that uh you know that shows how you can do a combination of those mm-hmm, two. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see um and I think Prince of Egypt came out before this, but the certainly the parting of the seas uh is all CG. Um when you look at Road to El Dorado uh, a lot of the foliage yep. is 3D foliage, which mm-hmm. is really, really cool. Um, in fact, the Seven City or the Fabled Cities or El Dorado is actually yep, a, a 3D CG render. Model. Yep. Um, uh, I forget what comes after that because there was still a group of movies that came out after this that are not Disney movies, right? Even right. even you have to remember, even uh, Bugs Life and, and Toy Story and all of those movies – were not Disney movies. Right. They were not owned by Disney. They were licensed to Disney to sell, right. which caused a lot of problems uh, because Disney wanted to license and market that stuff to the point where Pixar was like, no, we're not, that's not how we operate. And Disney was like, all right, we'll just buy you for a million dollars. <laughs> and they did. Um, but one thing that if it's, since we've been talking a lot about Disney in this, one of the things that Disney realized early on when he was creating animation and as he was going towards Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, uh, he realized that if I'm creating content for kids, kids of a certain age range have a very specific attention span. Mm -hmm. And so he made the policy that for, and you'll look at most of the early films, they're going to be between 75 and 86 minutes in length because that is the attention span of a child, of a typical seven to Mm eight-year-old child. Um, and he's right. The other nice thing about a 75 to 86 minute film is you can get more showings in a day, which means the families can go at the time that's most convenient for them. Mm -hmm. If you've got a two and a half hour movie like Batman, Christopher Nolan stuff or Inception, that's, you know, 72 hours long, um, you're going to have a limited number of showings. So there's a reason to kind of limit that. To an extent, uh, Iron Giant's only 88 minutes, 86 minutes, something like that. Yeah, sounds right. So it's a relatively short movie and moves very quickly, mm-hmm. and it keeps kids entertained. The question, though, is, Zach, is is The Iron Giant a movie aimed at young children? That's interesting, because I was a child when I first watched this. How old were you? Uh, this came out in 99, so I would have been eight. in eight, eight, seven, eight range, mm-hmm. depending on when it released. And, did you, and you saw it when it originally came out? You didn't see it on the VHS or the DVDs? <sighs> I think the odds of me seeing this in theater probably would have been low. My family did. We didn't go to a lot of movies in theater. Um, but I know I would have seen I know I watched it a lot when I was little. Oh, so, so I, I, it must have, I know I remember watching it on TV, on VHS or something. Okay. And so, um, but it, did it strike it, you as a good movie? Uh, this viewing or as my first viewing? Well, now, now you look at it. Now. Is it age appropriate? Is it age appropriate? Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's hard because I think a lot of animation movies. It's, I think maybe starting with Toy Story, maybe before that, I think they put in adult 
like subverted like adult elements inside the movie mm-hmm. and to give an adult and a laugh at certain things that kids wouldn't get because they just like threw like random adult humor in there. Right. Um, well, this is Warner Brothers too. They're known for doing that. With their well, and what's interesting is again, typically when you think of family oriented animated movies, now granted yeah. that's changed a little bit. Disney movies up until now had all been rated G. Mm-hmm. They aimed for the rated G because they wanted six year olds to be in the theater. Right. Mm-hmm. Iron Giant is rated PG. Yeah. For parental guidance for uh, what is it? Fantasy violence and some Probably mild like, language. Mild language, yeah. Which I don't even remember what the language is. Oh, it's not like D- I Vin Diesel said, said it's in English. You guys. I think they said hell a couple times. Oh, okay. Because it's not like he's it, like, I remember you guys. No, somebody, somebody, I'm bringing down this missile now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody says beatnik. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. I think maybe some of that may have to do with the discussions of death, too. True. Maybe. Because uh, I know that's something that, that when I, I showed this to my child, we ended up having a discussion of a four-year-old of why, you know, why did the giant, why was the giant dead at the end? And, you know, what is dead and how does dead work? Mm-hmm. And there are, it's so hard to, I think, to, to look at animated movies, especially ones that I watched younger and now that I appreciate mm. to say it caters to young children. I don't know why. Well, yeah, I think it does. Movie. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't have any problems showing this to a child. Mm-hmm. I think children would be ecstatic to watch it. I think I children think, should watch this. Movie. Well, right, I think yeah. they should too. And so but I think it's completely entertaining all children to all the attention to of adults. Watch, yeah. Um my oldest watched this when he was probably 4 for the first time and really dug it. Um they were watching it again. It was on Netflix, I think. Or maybe they just saw it on the uh, on the Apple TV and watched it and I've got video of my youngest who's two now, and throughout the entire movie, this is the, that kid jumps around. Rodrigo's mm-hmm, seen mm-hmm, this kid yeah. jump around, and so is Zach. He was motionless for 45 minutes, just staring at the screen, seeing what was happening, and taking it all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just mesmerized by this giant and the funny antics that he's doing. Right. Didn't get to the death part. He probably doesn't understand that anyway. But it's... It's enough to keep a two-year-old entertained for 45 minutes. Now, yeah. granted, I think at the 45-minute mark, that's where the deer <laughs> dies and, uh, uh, you know, Dean chases the giant out of the junkyard because he uh, tried to kill uh, Hogarth. Um, but he was into it. And, of course, the oldest boy just loves it a lot, too. Um, so I think it is a, a movie that, depending on the age range, I think some people are going to get the message mm-hmm. uh, right away. They're not going to have it have to explain to them. But like Matthew said... I think there are times where, and as a, as a parent, you probably should sit down and talk with the movie with your child, especially if you're mm-hmm. letting them look at something that is a PG or a PG-13, um, yeah. where you have to sit down with your kid and say, hey, look, you under- let's talk about what's going on here. Mm-hmm. A lot of people give me flack because I took my son to see Man of Steel, mm-hmm. uh, which is PG-13. Uh, the boy came out of parental it Parental guidance. It is parental guidance. It's up to me to decide. And You guided him. I guided him, and we talked about it, and it was a good conversation. <laughs> and he totally spoiled it for me. And he and totally spoiled it. Good for parental guidance, Stephen. <laughs> well, I, I even had the conversation with him about how you don't go and tell people how it ended. Yeah. And what's the first thing he does is he ruins it for Rodrigo. Oh, um, <laughs> but you know, there are some animated movies that are probably not targeted towards kids. Right. Uh, certainly, Felix or uh, Fritz the Cat. Right. And uh, uh, Heavy Metal. Right. Probably yeah, not. Heavy uh, Metal. El Super Bisto. <laughs> yes. Saw that yes. recently. Yes. That's Pre- a good one. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty bad. Pretty bad in a good way. It's confusing. It, it's, it's, a, it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Sit your kid the, the, music, the music like is great. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Like, the songs on El Super Bisto are super catchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but in the case of Iron Giant, I really find nothing wrong with this movie. From a story standpoint, it is a little heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. From the voice acting standpoint, I mean, a lot of people just have always laughed Harry Connick Jr. off as not being a serious actor. Yeah. No, I think um, he does a great job. He was mm-hmm. in uh, Memphis Bell, and I thought he did a great job in that movie. And then he does a great job as Dean here. Um, and then Jennifer Aniston plays a really believable mom. She yeah. had to have been like, yeah, what, did. 
like 25 or something at the time when this movie came out. Somebody that, that drove up. me up the wall because I recognized her voice. There's moments, oh, yeah, there's yeah. moments of where you can oh. really hear Jennifer oh. Aniston, but yeah. then sometimes oh, yeah. it's not. And I, for a while, I we thought it was uh, the mom from The Incredibles because she kind of had that inflection oh, yeah. going on in there. Mm-hmm. And I found it's like I don't think that's right. I have to look it up. Middle movie. It's like oh, Jennifer Aniston. Now then, Jennifer then you totally Aniston hear is it. a year older than we are, Stephen. So she would. So in '99, she would have been barely. Yeah, she would have been just 30. at thirty. So that's really still young and really Friends is still going on in 99? Oh, yeah. I think so. Oh, yeah. I don't think it ended until yeah, 2002. I don't think Friends, Friends has ended. 2004. Yeah. <laughs> Friends, Friends is still going. Oh, is it? Okay. At this point, like, uh, Ross's kid is in college. Yeah. And uh, Joey's also gone back to college. <laughs> yeah. Joey actually finally admitted that he was gay and in love with Chandler. All right. It happened. Yeah, it did, it did go to 2004. Yeah, for I a just, while. But so, yeah, it ran for 10 years. And that's the other thing is here, Jennifer Aniston is really at the peak of Friends uh, awesomeness in 99, mm-hmm. right? You would have thought people would have flocked to the movies just to support Jennifer Aniston. Didn't. Cost $85 think, million to make and only brought in like $70 million. I, I think what's interesting about this movie is that we, we talk about it and we're like, this really cl- pretty closely for, follows like, you know, kind of your animated yeah, yeah. movie formulas, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like it. Yes. No, and I think people true. look at this movie and they were like, I don't know what this movie is about. You know, <laughs> I'd have to go back and look at advertising because this is the other thing. Um, when I was living in Atlanta, I had a lot of time off. Uh, in between different freelance gigs and when the school was out of session or whatever. And there were times where it's just like, Friday afternoon, I'm going to go see a movie, see a boss, yep. you know, and just leave. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the theater, and I saw the week before I saw Unbreakable, I'm pretty sure that Unbreakable came out in 99, because I saw these movies almost back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, 2000. 2000 is Unbreakable? Yep. Wow, okay. Um but I remember going to see Iron Giant going, I have seen a poster for this movie, and I've seen one brief commercial for this movie. I'll go see it just because it's animation. And came out just blown away, not knowing what this was about. Yeah. And I think that the marketing campaign for this movie was not high. Right. I think it was very limited, and I don't recall. I, I have kind of a mind for commercials, and in 1999, I would have been working in Master Control. I... <laughs> Vaguely recall commercials for this movie, but I don't recall anything referencing who voiced the characters. And I want to say that this was at a point where it was still considered kind of déclassé. It wasn't like, you know, stunt casting your voice actors. I think working in animation was still on the edge of, oh, when are you going to be a real actor? Right. But I, I, I clearly remember seeing these during like the uh, Letterman and the Tom Snyder show, the ads for this thing and trying to figure out what it was about. Well, I remember seeing like Entertainment Tonight and they were talking about Jennifer Aniston starring this new thing, Harry Connick Jr. Mm. I don't remember anything else about that. Afterwards, mm. fell in love with it. Found out that one of my students at the time uh, worked at the theater and I was like, oh man, can I have that poster? And he brought the poster, which I still have today hanging out nice. there. And nice. then a couple of weeks later, he's like, oh, yeah, we are getting rid of all of our trailers. You want the you want the trailer for Iron Giant? So somewhere around here, I have the actual film trailer yeah, for yeah. Um, Iron Giant. Uh, sweet. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, but I don't know. There's just something really neat about this film. And even though it was a uh, box office failure, I think oftentimes you're going to find that, and it's not a cult thing, I think that there are just things that are things that people quietly embrace as a film mm-hmm. without just going mm-hmm. nuts over. Um, yeah. And I think that's the case in The Iron Giant. Does that make sense where you just kind of quietly yeah, yeah. embrace it and say, yeah. you know, I, I want to hold well, you yeah, and it has, squeeze it, you and call you George? This movie isn't that mind-blowing. It's not bringing... I don't think it's really bringing anything Technically, new there's nothing. Into, fan, there's nothing crazy about this. No, I think it's, it's just... It makes you feel really good inside. And, right. And we don't... I don't think that's yeah. a, a, that's the type of movie that you go rush and tell everyone about. You just kind of cuddle with a blanket and a teddy bear for the rest I think, of the night. I think right. also the, the movie's really complete. There's not too many things for people to be like, I wonder what this was, or I wonder what mm. this was about, to really explore or demand more explanations for. Like, the movie is just like this very succinct thing. Why do you think... Uh, yeah, can I, you it, think of some reasons why this wasn't a, f- a huge uh, commercial success in... In the theater, I, I think. I think personally, I think it's those two things. I think it probably wasn't advertised all that well, and I think 
people like going to the theater to see things that they've already seen Mm -hmm. and nobody really understood what the iron giant was like they saw this movie and they're like i think this is supposed to be a kid's movie but there's like army guys and guns and stuff in Mm -hmm. it and there's like a giant robot that doesn't look and i have yet to see a talking animal in any of the commercials you know and i if i remember in all the uh commercials or the one commercial that I've seen, even in the trailer, I don't think the Iron Giant ever says anything. Right. And he, right. And and he, and he looks very and I think And I think he looks menacing yeah, yeah, yeah. in a lot of it. So it's like, is the, is the Iron Giant a bad thing that you fight? Right. Nobody knew. Yeah, and I, I, I remember thinking that it was something where people would be fighting off the alien invasion or fighting right. off the mm. evil alien, which is definitely not the movie that we got. It may be another thing that you have to look at is talking about the films that were out post toy story where it's like oh wow animation sells again some of them were awful and there were a lot of them and i don't know if it came before this but well, osmosis jones yeah, yeah was that, in that same time frame that was awful i liked it and movie. i didn't care for quest for camelot and i didn't care and people are going to be mad at me but i didn't care for the the road to whatever it was El Dorado. El Dorado. that's a good movie yeah they were and then titan ae was later i know but titan ae well, you're all within that. You're all within that two-year frame, and again, yeah, Titan AE was the next year or two years Titan later. IE. No, the next year, yeah. I did not so like you, Titan AE. So, in '95, Bug Story out. came out. Bug Story came out, or Bugs, or Bugs, uh, Life. Bugs Life, which is my youngest's. I mean, the kid obsesses over Bugs Life now. Wow. Awesome. He will not stop watching it. That's all he will watch is Bugs Life. Yeah, it's cute. He's, a, he's afraid of the grasshoppers, though. My dad right. was like that for a while. So, so Bugs Life came out in '98. And was phenomenal 3D. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the things is, even though the, a lot of this, most of the film is 3D rendered to look 2D, people looked at Iron Giant and said, well, that's not a 3D movie. That's got to be crap if they are doing that old Yeah, I mean, stuff. I mean, that's the thing is, this was the rise of uh, the animated movie. Toy Story 2 came out in 99, didn't it? Uh, let me uh, look here real quick. Either 99 or 2000. Well, okay, so Bugs Life came out in 99 or 98. Toy Story 2 came out in 99. Yeah. yeah. So, so this movie either either was up against Toy Story 2 or came out like, you, you know, I don't, I don't know if this was a summer release or a winter <coughs> release. I'm pretty sure Toy Story 2 was a winter release. Um, was it Tarzan in that same time frame? Don't, probably. Uh, probably pretty close. Yep, 99. Tarzan, I mean, there, was, there were just a ton of animated Toy Story movies. 2, November of 99. Yeah, uh, Iron Giant um, came out in. Oh, well, it came out in '99. I was trying to find the exact release date of that. One moment. Analyzing. August of '99. So it came out before Toy Story Two. Yeah. Have to see what else came out in the August of '99. Yeah, I, I think it was it was this little this combination of little things. I think it was not so great marketing, people not right. understanding what they were looking at, and really, I mean that thing where it's like, well, this, but don't animated movies suck now? And aren't we all supposed right. to switch over to 3D animation yeah. now? That's what Fern I heard. Gully. Fern Gully was in that same time frame. Oh, you know what else came out in? In the '99, The Matrix, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. That's right. Here are the top yeah. grossing films of '99: Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, Sixth Sense, <sighs> uh, Toy Story yeah. Two. This is in descending order from one to ten. Uh, the Matrix came out in '99. Tarzan came out in '99. The Mummy, Notting Hill, The World Is Not Enough, American Beauty, and Austin Powers: The Spy Who Shagged Me. I, it's it's cool. funny because we we keep talking. Oh, yeah, this movie came out in 1999. At which I I briefly forgot that in 1999 every good movie came out. Like 1990, <laughs> 1999 was just like a ludicrous year for movies. It like 1999 was a game changer and like and that includes the Iron Giant. The Iron Giant is a it's great a movie. Changer. It's yeah. a fantastic movie. It's it's a movie that proved that you know cell animation was still completely viable as a medium, but it got lost in a sea. Of either really great or really overhyped okay. movies. Hu- so yeah, August, going movies. back into the school season, they may have been winding down. I mean, today when we look at box office release, mm-hmm. they really start like in April and run through the end of September. Right. They oh, used yeah. to, it was, you know, 
end of May, May through the first of August. Mm-hmm. Uh, here are the movies that came out in August. August fourth, the movie Dick with uh, Kristen. That's the one with Kristen, Kristen Dunst. Dunst. Right, yeah, right. that's the. Then you Richard had uh, the Iron Giant came out a few days later on the sixth, uh, alongside Mystery Men. And here's what Ooh, killed it: The Sixth Sense, hmm. uh, The yeah. Thomas Crown Affair, yeah. and uh, then so those are the those are the movies that came out that week. Dick, not a great movie. Iron Giant, Mystery Men, right? Mystery Men did well movie. though, didn't it? Swallow, yeah, but they were it they did, were swallowed it did better than by they swallowed by The Sixth Sense and yep. The Thomas Crown Affair because yep. The Thomas Crown Affair attracted all the older people, right? And then Sixth Sense attracted everybody because it's like, oh my God, you don't know what the oh is going to be. Like? Have you heard about this movie? Have you heard about the Iron don't Giant? Don't spoil it for me. So no one could take I think mystery men the dead lost children. To what's that, likely. Zach? I said that no one could take the dead children to uh, <laughs> the dead children. The Iron Giant. You're terrible. Uh, yes, Mystery Men uh, cost sixty eight million, only brought in thirty three million dollars. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, it did good money, but it didn't do good enough money to make up its effective budget. <laughs> August thirteenth, Bowfinger. Uh, Eddie oh, Murphy and uh, Steve I Martin breakdown breakdown uh, palace or broke down broke palace, down palace. Uh, Detroit yeah. Rock City came out on the thirteenth. Yeah. Then on the twentieth, you had Mickey Blue Eyes teaching Mrs. Tingle, uh, Universal <laughs> Soldier of the Return. Then on the twenty fifth, you had Into Deep, uh, the Thirteenth Warrior, the Astronaut's Wife, and then you wrapped up August with Dudley Do Right and the Muses. Man, August was except for those two movies. Awful, awful, awful month for movies. Except for the Thirteenth Warrior, which is a great movie. Yeah. You and guys, Mystery oh, Men, which is awesome. I actually do like Mystery Men a uh-huh. lot. Mystery Men is way ahead of its time, and I think that's also true of the Iron Giant. Is it's a film that has built its audience slowly mm-hmm. as the audience comes around to the realization that oh, maybe you know, maybe this is better than we gave it credit for, or. Then the conventional wisdom gives it credit oh, for because it's yeah. not it's not necessarily nineteen ninety nine dated. It doesn't. Oh no no feel no! This like, one doesn't mm-hmm. feel like ninety nine. In fact, you watch it today, uh, Rodrigo. You were talking about advances. Mm-hmm. Um, today you look at it, and it still feels like a fresh oh, movie from no, the animation perspective. Yeah, and, and it and it helps that it's a period piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah yeah. Because yes, that does make it a little so. bit more timeless. Let us hit up some uh, some sponsors for this week's episode. Yeah, as we have some sponsors every week, and we like to recognize them. This week, we have the shout-out, Roberto Lawson, Joel A. Monnery, Sean Cross, Kevin Hall, The Mongoon Show, I'm going to Google that, Ethan Boyd, Tony Jacobson, Fisher Mullard, Aaron Barnes, and Cheryl Ennett Baker. Thank you to all of you for supporting the Major Spoilers cause and keeping fine shows like this one. Going. Were you intentionally pronouncing things funny to sound like? Be nice. No, she's be nice. October. Be nice till you were nice. October saw the release of Fight Club. Uh, yeah. Nineteen ninety nine. Oh, so there. Hey God, Fight Club. Uh, ninety nine is amazing. Yeah, ninety nine. They, they 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 say ni- nineteen ninety nine is the year that changed movies. Yeah. Like totally. after nineteen ninety nine. Oh, movies were different. Like nineteen ninety nine was like it's like this crater. If you look back at it, is like you can't see past it because of the <laughs> nuclear explosion that was nineteen ninety nine. Is that what they say? Yes. Doesn't no, that's what I say. Year change movies? Not really. No. 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 Going to the dearth of like two thousand three through two thousand eight. Different movies every year. Now, a lot of them are very much are, the same. Are there? <laughs> are there different no. movies every year? Sometimes yeah, it really yeah, feels like I'm yeah, watching the same movie. You gotta find them. That's your problem. You go to the movies too much. Well, at least he goes to the movies, right? Um, I did go see Elysium. Yeah, and I, I still I think I want to see that. Yeah, well, I'll probably see it on Epics in a year or three. Uh, so uh, what else is there to say? Probably not a lot. This is just a, a movie that I think has a good message done right. Mm-hmm. It's got some great animation techniques yeah. that. Um, even today, you look at how we cell uh, shade a 3D object to make it look like a 2D drawing, and people still aren't getting it right, and it's done really well here in the yeah. Iron Giant. There's some I great action. I do like the, the way they manage to get that 3D animated character into the, the 2D rendered world. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. So uh, what are some takeaways that you can get out of this movie, Zach? Takeaways. Um uh, <laughs> Let's see. I think like we talked about... like. N- managing a message in a movie 
I think that learning how to how figuring out how Iron Giant did that and not beating audience members over the head with a message, but still putting it in there for the the kiddies to learn from this cool movie is something to take away. Um, a period piece. I, mean, I think that did it, it did it really well. I wasn't alive in the fifties, but it seemed like the fifties in this movie. <laughs> and so that's good. It is it, it one of those movies when I watched, uh, I was like, well, this is animation. I don't do animation. So I'm really going to have to dig for stuff. I mean, there's so much we can talk about animation at another time from the technical standpoint. Right. Um, cause I, I literally almost know nothing about animation. Yeah, you probably know more than you think you do. Well, maybe. Doubt it, though. <laughs> I really doubt it. What, uh, the other thing you probably should use as a takeaway is you can tell a really good story in a short amount of time. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what this movie excels in. And, and, and I think, you know, you can tell, like, we've seen the themes in The Iron Giant in other movies, and you can, you can tell a story that has the same themes, set it in a different place, have the characters have something that's interesting and different about them, and you can basically tell the same story again, again, and yeah, again, yeah, yeah. and still make it interesting. Yeah, a good. comparison: uh, if you remember, we were talking about uh, Iron Giant and its budget it had a budget of like eighty million dollars, something yeah. like that. Uh, in comparison, Tarzan, the animated movie, Disney's Tarzan, Disney's Tarzan, one hundred and thirty million dollar budget. Wow, that's why I saw a quote from that was all Bird. Phil Collins. Yeah, <laughs> well, a lot yeah, of it yeah. was their deep rendering that they did mm. for the three D world stuff. So. Uh, Bird said they had half the uh, budget of a Disney movie and a third of the production time. Yeah, yeah. to make this. Nice. Um, other big question that we've been forgetting to ask the last couple of weeks: uh, Did your girlfriend watch this with you, and she did she did, cry at the uh, end? She did watch it with me. And uh, I told her what movie I needed to watch this week. And her response was, oh, good. Finally, a good movie that I'll stay awake during. I said, ouch, because <laughs> you've missed most of them. Well, but she's... she did She did watch it, and she did like it. And it was, it was fun, because both of us haven't watched it since we were really little. And so we yeah. talked uh, afterwards about what parts do we actually remember like seeing in the movie. And my big scene was when... Uh, agent Agent Douchebag jumps out of his car realizing the Iron Giant had bit half of it. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, the, that was the yeah, one part yeah. I really remember. And then the parts crawling back, which is what we both remembered at the mm-hmm. very end. Yeah. Uh, that she's definitely not going to like next week's movie then. Oh, no. No, not at all. All right. Give us a wrap uh, up. That's going to be this it for Zach on Film. Make sure to head over to Majorspoilers.com and click on that po- podcast uh, page and give your comments and feedback on the Iron Giant and what you like and don't like about it. Which is probably nothing, because of course you like all of it. While you're there at Majorspoilers.com, click on the Amazon.com link on the front page. It'll take you to Amazon, and you can do all your shopping like you normally would. Uh, movies, DVDs, uh, TVs, Blu-ray players, all of that. None of it will cost you any extra, but a small part of that will come back to Major Spoilers. Help us keep going. And, uh, and that's going to be this, this week. Next week, we are watching the what I believe to be an eight-hour-long movie titled... Lawrence of Arabia. That'll be next week on Zach. Lawrence.